Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. What I will do is talk to you a little bit about my journey, but also tell you a little bit about my experience of going to space. So let me maybe start with a quote that I share with everyone, one of my favorite quotes about dreaming. I'm big on dreams. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. And to me, that sort of sums up a lot about the purpose of life why we're here, for us to dream and dream again and dream again and change the world we live in. As Vishen said, I was born in Iran. I lived in Iran during the revolution, during the war. And I left when I was about 16 years old and came to United States to study. And as a child, I fell in love with the beautiful black skies over Tehran, the capital city. And I know what you see in the news and everything is nothing good about Iran, but I remember beautiful mountains and beautiful night skies. And that's what, you know, started this love of stars in my heart. I uh, remember as a child, we would sleep outside summer nights and just gaze at this beautiful night sky and ask these questions about why am I here? What are those shiny objects out there? Is there someone else out there? Is there another little girl someplace else looking back at me and asking the same questions? And all those questions is what made me believe that the answers are up there amongst the stars and made me want to one day fly to be closer to those stars. As human beings, I think one of the most precious gifts we have is the gift of imagination because we can actually think of places we've never been. Think of places that doesn't even exist. Think of things that do not exist. And imagine ourselves in those places. Imagine ourselves doing things we've never done. And that's a precious gift. And that's what has made us as human really grow and develop and become bigger than the environment we live in. And imagination is like a spark, an idea, something that would just start in our head. And it may be because of, you know, something we saw someplace or something we watched on TV. I grew up watching Star Trek or a book that we read. And soon enough, we start seeing ourselves in those positions. And before you know it, you know, (laughs) we're there. This is actually how I dressed to a big employee meeting that I had, and I made my entire management team dress up in Star Wars costume. You may ask yourself why. Well, when I came to the States, I wanted to become an astronaut. Growing up, I told everyone I'm going to be an astronaut, and of course, nobody believed me. But when I came to the States, I thought, well, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. But, you know, things were different. I had to study. I had to find a job. I was this girl from Iran, a country that was sort of at conflict with the States, didn't have citizenship. Many, 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 many reasons where becoming an astronaut was not a, you know, option for me. So I became an engineer. I was very happy with the career path that I had taken. I was very successful. But there was this thing missing for me and this passion that I had inside that I decided I'm not going to let go. I had no idea how I'm going to go about making it happen and making it reality. But I figured that as long as I have it alive inside my heart, that I'll find a way somehow, somewhere. 
And this is something that I see a lot of us forget because life throws us a curveball and we decide that, you know, we have to give up on our dreams. And soon enough, after a few years, we don't even remember what they are. So I want to invite you to just maybe think back, maybe to your childhood, maybe to your adulthood. Sometimes you don't know what you want to do or what's your passion until, you know, much later in life. Is there something in your life that you always wanted to do and somehow either someone told you you cannot do it or you thought it's too hard or you thought you need money for it and you don't have the money or you don't have the physical capability to do it or whatever. Is there something like this? Can you just take a few seconds and think about it? And now that you thought about it, think about when was the moment that you gave up on that dream? When was it that you decided that you cannot accomplish it. What was that reason for it? What was that fear that kept you from even wanting to pursue it? And if you look back at the fear you had, the reason you had, is it still true? Do you think that if you didn't have that limitation or fear inside you, that there might have been opportunities around you that would have helped you get there? would have helped you get one step closer at least to it. What I've learned is that a lot of times, even our far-fetched dreams, we will find ways to accomplish them. But sometimes we're so busy. We have our head down and we're doing our day-to-day job and doing the things we're supposed to do that we don't even see those opportunities. We don't even recognize them when they come around. And for me, one way to keep our dreams alive and make sure that we will see those opportunities is to do little things, little things in our daily lives that will remind us. And that's what I did. You know, I had an engineering company, nothing to do with space, but every little corner of the office was decorated with something from space. So when I would walk around the office, I would remember my whole office, everything around me was pictures of space, pictures of, you know, earth from space, posters, my screensavers. I would read articles about what's happening in space, take astronomy courses online, just little reminders, things that would remind me every day I have this passion inside. So when I sold my company and I had an opportunity to take some time off and, you know, try to find a way full time, guess what happened? Peter Diamandis came about. And as I was looking for a way to create an opportunity, not only for myself, but for millions of others who I knew wanted to go to space, he just appeared out of nowhere and told me that he read this article and he's trying to launch this prize and if I would help him. And, you know... As I said, he had me at hello. As soon as he said, space, do you want to go to space? I was like, where do I sign? So we became great friends and I've been uh, part of the XPRIZE Foundation for a long time. But he was just like me. He also grew up thinking about flying to space. We all heard about, you know, Pan Am selling tickets to go to space. 50 years has gone since man has flown to space. And technology has changed. If you look back at technology 50 years ago and where we are today and how cost of everything has been reduced, you know, you can see that advancements have been great in many areas of technology, but not in space, because it has always been sort of captured by government, controlled by governments. 
I'm one of those people that believe that you have to do something about what you want. You can't wait others to do it for you. So that's why I became partner with Peter. But for Peter, what he saw was a story about another immigrant entrepreneur, Raymond Ortiz, who came from France. He was a shepherd. He came to the United States, became a very successful entrepreneur. He started as a busboy and then just worked his way up. And he was very passionate about aviation. So what he did is he put up a $25,000 prize called the Ortique Prize for anyone who would fly from New York to Paris nonstop. Many tried, some people lost their life, but Charles Lindbergh flew the Spirit of St. Louis, won the prize, and only after three years after this successful flight, the whole aviation and industry started changing. The number of registered pilots grew by 300%. The number of registered airplanes grew by 400%. We went from having only 5,000 people flying on airplanes to 170,000 people flying airplanes. And today, you know, we have a very robust aviation industry. So we tried to do the same thing, apply the same model to space travel. And we put up the $10 million prize for someone who would fly a spaceship 200 kilometers, just edge of space, come back, do it twice within two weeks to demonstrate that it's a viable business model. So it's not just a science experiment. And it was successful in 2004. It was won by Bert Rutan, very successful aerospace engineer. And the good thing was that we had 26 teams from 11 countries competing. We had teams like Mojave Space, that was funded by Paul Allen. And we had people in their garages building spaceships. We had someone in Argentina, the whole village was bringing scrap metal and making them cakes and bringing them food and helping them build a spaceship. So communities came together around this prize. And that was the whole point of the prize, to show that you don't need to be a big government agency to build spaceships. The winning spaceship one is in Airspace Museum. So if you're ever in DC, please stop by. It's a pride and joy for me to go there and see it hanging right next to Spirit of St. Louis in Air and Space Museum. So as I said, and Vishen mentioned, why XPRIZE is that what we saw is through this incentive prizes, we can bring focus on a problem. We can find problems around the world where people have been struggling with solving them, but there's not enough attention, enough innovation going in that direction. So we sort of jumpstart that by bringing focus to it. And through this type of incentive prizes, we get really people out of the woodwork coming and trying to win these prizes and bring a lot of creativity to it. The Progressive Automotive X Prize that was won last year, we had two teams that were really very interesting for me. One was a high school team that, you know, their shop teacher basically put a group together and they made it to the finals. And I think they came second. The winning team was actually built by a real estate agent. You know, it was during the time when real estate crashed in Florida. He was in Florida. He loved cars. So he saw this ad about this prize. So he went and talked to some of his friends. One was a mechanic and then put a team together from people around him and build a car. None of them had built a car before build the car that passed all the safety tests and everything and won the prize. So that's what we're looking for when we talk about XPRIZE and incentive prizes. And with space, we brought a huge regulatory reform that allowed for creation of very robust industry that has created hundreds of thousands of jobs right now in space. So we've expanded this, as Vishen mentioned, in four areas. We have the energy and environment category, 
We had the oil cleanup. We have an ocean cleanup prize in this area and constantly looking for more. We have the exploration, which is sea and space. Life sciences, we just announced a tricorder X prize, which is a handheld device that would allow people to be diagnosed better than even a team of board certified through handheld devices and remote sensing. We have also education and global development prize areas where we're working on an education prize that hopefully will announce soon. But this is where the proceeds will go and help fuel a lot of incentive prizes in all these areas. But going back to my journey to space and talking about seeing opportunities, at a celebration of the first anniversary of the X Prize, I came across someone who told me, hey, you know, do you want to go to Russia? We have this Japanese businessman who's flying to space and we want to do a backup. I know you love to learn about space. You want to do a prize for orbital flight. Why don't you go and learn about it? And I thought to myself for a second and I'm like, where else would I get an opportunity to go and meet all the astronauts and all the cosmonauts, go where Yuri Gagarin flew to space, the first person who went to space? Where else would I go to get all that in one place? And without even thinking, I said, sure, how long is it? Six, seven months. Where? In Star City, Moscow, you know, it's a military base where everyone trains. And I'm like, okay, sign me up. I'm going. So then, you know, a few weeks later, I was going through medical tests and qualification and then spent seven months in Russia training, not knowing that I'm going to go to space. I was just training. I was fascinated with everyone and everything around me. And I was training as if I was going to space. And three weeks before the flight, the person who was supposed to fly developed kidney stones, so he disqualified. I'm packing my stuff. I'm going to the airport. They call me. It's like, do you want to go to space? <laughs> I'm like, guys, are you pulling my leg? Because they knew how depressed I was. The whole six months, I was big smile. And then last day when I was packing, I was just really down. And I thought they're just playing a joke. I'm like, I didn't believe them. I said, that's not a funny joke. So they said, no, no, seriously, do you want to go to space? And when I really realized they were serious, I screamed so loud, I don't think I have ever screamed that loud in my entire life. And that was it. I was there. The opportunity was there. And I took it. And I was able to go to a space station. I flew on board the Soyuz. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I flew on board the Soyuz, which is the Russian equivalent of the Apollo. It's much smaller. You have room for three people. Very, you know, friendly sitting together. And these are my crewmates. And we grew to be great friends. And that's one thing I learned about my experience of going to space, that, you know, it wasn't just about going to space. It was about the whole journey. And I like to share this from Charles Lindbergh because afterwards when I read it, I felt so close to what he said about his experience of flying solo across the ocean. He said, I owned the world that hour as I rode over it, free of the earth, free of the mountains, free of the clouds, but how inseparably I was bound to them. That's how I felt when I was on the space station. I was out there completely separated from our planet. Everything that made me who I am, all my memories, all my experiences, all my friends, family, everything that I loved, everything that I hated, it was right there in front of me. And I was completely, you know, separated from it. And I never felt that freedom 
in my life. It was incredible, incredible, incredible experience. Highly recommended for everyone here. <laughs> But the whole journey for me became very special. I made great friends. When I went to Russia, I had people cheering me on during the whole trip, making it possible for me to have this amazing experience. And I learned about the people in Russia, their customs, their culture, and all of that made that trip that much special for me. And that's what we learned through these journeys we take going after our dreams. We learn about ourselves. We learn that there are no limits to what we can do. And even if we think there are limits, as we push through those barriers, we learn more about what's possible and what we can accomplish. I'd like to close with also one of my favorite poems by Ken Raven. It says, only as high as I reach can I grow. Only as far as I seek can I go. Only as deep as I look can I see. And only as much as I dream can I be. So I encourage you all to dream big, dream very big. Thank you. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast.